Welcome to the Wild and Well-Fed podcast, where we discuss women's health beyond nutrition. Get ready for practical, sustainable, real-life health topics that will help bring you closer to nature and your feminine roots. This is your host, Laura Lyons, and I'm here with my co-host, Annika Nicole. Let's get wildly nourished. The Wild and Well-Fed podcast is not medical advice, diagnosis, or prescription. No information in this podcast should be considered as medical advice or treated as such. Please consult your doctor before implementing any nutritional, supplemental, or lifestyle changes. Welcome back to the Wild and Well-Fed podcast. This is the third episode of season three, where we will be continuing our conversation on social media. In this episode, we will be talking about the current wellness trends, in our opinion, that you should take or leave from social media. Now let's dive into today's episode. We wanted to just quickly start off by talking about how Instagram can have the positive or negative influence to change our wants and desires. So what we always like to ask, and we've talked about this before, is if you didn't have social media, how would your life be different? There can be benefits. Maybe social media made you aware of a career or a lifestyle or a way of eating that you would have not found any other way. But with all the benefits of social media does come with a dark side. And that is, is social media making you think you want things or want to do things that you don't actually want? When it comes to health and wellness trends, which we're going to be talking about today, we are constantly bombarded with these trends and diets that we are told will fix all of our problems. But as nutritionists that have been seeing women for years, we've found that most of these trends are doing more harm than good. And if you actually tune in to your body and what your instincts are telling you and what you want, so much against a So much of this stuff goes against our innate wisdom. So that's what we're going to spend today on is just diving into what we think as far as the health and wellness trends we see on Instagram are good to take and those that are good to leave behind and ignore. Yeah. One thing that we're always asked about are new trends that people are seeing on Instagram. We get asked it in the membership. We get asked it in like Instagram DMs. We get asked it by family and friends. Um, And we always have to ask, you know, like, do you really think that that new thing is going to be like the the thing that's going to heal you, right? So like, is that cold plunge going to completely heal all your ailments or your illness? Is that green juice going to, you know, the green juice that you're probably spending $50, $50 on monthly, is that actually going to heal you or your illness? Probably not. Um, honestly, being healthy just doesn't take much. And we cannot stress enough that the foundations, learning your own body, eliminating stressors, and just evaluating the way that you're living your life are going to be the most important above all else. So, you know, you can't eat a poor diet or eat well 50% of the time and then expect healing from some wellness trend. Uh, You know, you can't be in an awful relationship and expect healing. And you can't be living with somebody or somebody or somewhere that you hate and have a really unfulfilling job and expect healing from that or from a wellness trend of some sort. So um, 
Most of these wellness trends are really just noise and distractions that are taking you further away from actual healing. So with that said, let's dive into some of the wellness trends to leave, and then we will go over the ones to take. Um, these are, in our, like, in our opinion, from what we have gathered through our membership members, clients, and our own research and evaluations, uh, what we think are important to take and what we think you should leave. And by leave, we mean to not pay much attention to or to stress out over. By take, we mean things that we think are beneficial and could be worth your time. Yeah. So let's talk about a big one we're starting to see. Even a little bit amongst some holistically minded practitioners, not as much, but so many estheticians and uh, different, all kinds of different health and wellness, I guess you could say, accounts are all over this one. And if you guys haven't guessed it already, that is Botox, lip filler, and body modifications. We are seeing these things touted as not only for looks, but they are now being sold to us as preventatives. So you've probably seen some dermatologist, esthetician type accounts recommending Botox for women as young as in their 20s to get us to start this to help prevent aging in the long run. And we have so much to say about this. We get asked this question nonstop and we are extremely passionate about it. So do you want to kick us off with a little chat about Botox and lip filler and things like that? Yeah. So I guess we can go into like what Botox actually is, and it is a neurotoxin. It literally has a black box label warning, and it's not new. This is from 2009 that warns people of its effects spreading to other areas of your body. And it is well known to travel to your brain and your nervous system. Um, it was never actually even approved for cosmetic procedures until 2002. So yeah, we are literally an experiment. And I really honestly fear for what we are all going to look like and what those health effects are going to be when this all starts to come out in the next few years. I mean, it already is. There's literally like Facebook support groups for like Botox injury online. Like go look it up. It's There's a lot of information about this. Um, also, one other thing. Botox is is also being used by more holistic practitioners as like an alternative to medication for like migraines and like overactive bladder, neck spasms and things like that. Um, some girl that I, that I was working with went and got Botox for migraines and they injected like 20 injections into her head. I'm like, what? Like those mm. migraines are likely from oxidative stress and we're just creating <laughs> more oxidative stress with these injections. So it's not actually getting to the root of anything. It's just stopping the pain. So the migraines are still there, but it's just stopping the pain that you feel from them. So absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, the Botox is not getting to the root of why you have these problems in the first place or why you're aging. If you're aging so young, like there's there's a reasoning for that, right? Like there's something else going on there. Um, but basically, there's a reason why your body is showing these symptoms in the way that it is. Um, Botox isn't going to fix that. So if you suppress that symptom, it's just going to show up elsewhere. So I've never met, I mean, I've never met a woman that gets Botox that feels good. And that's, I mean, just being honest here. Yeah, we do have some women, you know, we get messages, we have clients in the membership that 
are asking us why they're not improving and feeling better. And then we'll get their labs and see on their intake forms that they've been doing Botox cosmetically for two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like, you gotta, st- you gotta stop. You gotta stop the Botox. So yeah, it's, it's the whole thing is just a mess. And also, I don't know if you, if I heard this from you or where I saw this, but I recently saw that in Australia, they are going to be regulating who gets cosmetic type procedures and they're going to have patients undergo like, I guess, a mental health type of check before getting Botox, breast implants, facelifts and all that stuff. So that's really interesting and hopefully yeah. would uh, slow down <laughs> the amount of people getting that. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like Instagram influencers influence is so powerful on this stuff that so many women are just really into it. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I think the problem is, is women aren't looking at the future. They're just like, oh, I can look good now. Right. But we have, what, what's that going to look like in 10 years or right. You feel like these people are getting all these procedures done, or we've seen a lot of breast implant illness coming out and it's like, you feel awful, but it's like, oh, but I look good. Right. Like, like, but you can't leave the house because you feel so awful. So what's the point in getting these things? Right. Um, But yeah, I think I I personally think people in real life look really bizarre with all of this work done on their face. I mean, if you see it on pictures and like on Instagram, it might just look natural because that's just the world that we live in right now. But like in real life, it is strange. Like it's just it's not it's not natural. Right. Um, And I know a lot of women that do regret it after they get a lot of these procedures done. Yeah, it's it's actually to me it's really sad because what is happening on Instagram is these companies and the influencers that they are paying are literally profiting off of our insecurities. So that is my biggest reason not to support these industries is I don't want to support and fund an industry that is profiting off of telling women that they're not good enough just exactly the way they are. So But who's setting that standard for beauty, right? Like you can walk into, you know, a grocery store and everybody just looks normal, right? But then you walk into like an esthetician's office and you're like, who's saying that all of these women are more beautiful because they've had all this work done on their bodies? It's so strange, but it's a very different vibe, you know, when when you walk into an office like that with people that have just had all this work done on their bodies, Well, yeah. And I mean, just like anything else, it's a trend, right? Mm -hmm. The problem, though, is it's a trend with potentially very harmful implications and long-term implications. So it's not like everyone decided to get a weird haircut or is wearing a certain style of jeans. It's like when this trend is out, there's damage that's been done that's not reversible. Yes. So really sad. Um. But yeah, some of the things we've seen just from taking clients that have used Botox is histamine intolerance, which is a huge one. Anxiety increases a lot and hives and skin type of reactions and rashes, huge for women with uh, BII, breast implant illness, rashes and skin conditions. And of course, most women would never link that back to their breast implants, right? So they think they have this rash. It's a topical issue. They're doing topical treatments on it. They're going to dermatologists. And meanwhile, it is completely caused by their breast implants. So some good Instagram resources are Never Talks at Never Talks, N-E-V-E-R-T-O-X, and Breast Implant Illness Expert on Instagram. 
If you Google, this is a fun fact when we were preparing this episode, I Googled it. If you type breast implant into Google, the very first result that comes up as a suggested search is breast implant illness, Mm. which means people are searching for that way more than they're searching for breast augmentation procedures anymore. So it's really starting to gain some traction, which I'm relieved to hear and see that because this is such a serious issue. Yeah, same. Um, Yeah, some great alternatives that I wanted to go over a little bit too, especially now that these are things that I do um, now that I'm like nearing 40. I'm like, I should probably kind of get on this a little bit, right? Um, But of course, just I, I feel like since I've, I transitioned my diet years ago, I feel like I look completely different. Like I do feel like I have like decreased in age by 10 years. No joke. Um, just by, you know, by doing the foundations that we teach and nourishment and hydration, all of that's so, so, so important. Um, I do feel like when I was 10 years, like 10 years ago when I was super malnourished, I like literally looked like a 50 year old woman because I was like starving myself. So <laughs> I feel like a, a little bit of, a little bit of fat on your cheeks could do a little bit of wonders. Um, but facial massages, I love doing facial massages. I do those at night. Um, I also, love doing gua sha. Uh, Red light therapy can also be really helpful. I do that for like 10 minutes at night as well. And then one that I have not um, really dived into too much, I did try them, are frownies. Um, They personally just didn't work for me because I felt like they were kind of drying for my face and I like to just have tons of moisturizer on my face when I go to bed. Um, So I didn't love those, but I do know other people that like them and they use those as well. So there are plenty of alternatives to Botox, but honestly, I do feel like diet and hydration and, and nourishment and all of that probably plays the biggest role for sure. Yes. And you said animal based, which is so important. And one of the products, or I guess two products that are so good for that are collagen and gelatin. Mm-hmm. So the more of those you can get in, which we both do do those every single day, those make a huge difference. Those are like internal healthy Botox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So helpful. And then just a personal little story that I like to share when it comes to Botox is as someone who has suffered with acne and skin conditions, women who are getting Botox, especially that are young, that are in their 20s, that are micro examining their face like an inch away from the mirror and finding these fine lines comes across as such, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it, privilege, Mm -hmm. because it's like, for anyone that's struggling with any type of skin condition or like a really big health issue or anything like that, it is unfathomable to imagine someone would look into a mirror at clear skin and still find something wrong with it. So I think it comes across for me as a place of being very ungrateful and in a lot of senses, very self-absorbed because we could stare at ourselves in the mirror all day and find something wrong. But if you're able to back away from that mirror and you have clear skin, you are so blessed. I cannot even tell you. And that's something that no one would understand unless they have struggled with acne. I even saw a video about this regarding sebaceous filaments, which a lot of women have on their nose and they think they're blackheads. Mm. And this woman did a video. It was like a two minute video. She's like, I have the cure for your sebaceous filaments. Back away from the mirror, (laughs) back away from the mirror. And I shared that everywhere when I first found it, because it's like, that is, that's the answer. 
No one's going to notice them unless you're staring deeply into the mirror. And it's the same with fine lines in your 20s and when you're young. Just get away from the mirror and go do something maybe for yourself or for other people that will just help you get out of that really negative space because there are people that have it so, so much worse. And I promise you, I have been there myself. Yeah, there's just this massive fear of aging and it's starting way too young. Um, I honestly, I I cannot believe that there are 20 year olds that are getting Botox and lip filler. It's, it's mind blowing to me that people are like examining themselves that close, right? Um, I also just feel like, honestly, is your life just not that fulfilling? I have to ask that question because I'm always just like, how is this Botox supporting your life? I don't, I'm I'm not, I'm not understanding because if you have a very fulfilling life and the people that you surround yourself with are lighting you up and you're happy, I'm like, who are, are you surrounding yourself with people that are making you feel bad about yourself? Is that why we're getting the Botox, right? Um, also, if you see people in real life, guess what? Like we all have imperfect skin. It's only on social media that we're seeing these filters in this way to, that makes it look like no, everybody has this perfect skin. Nobody, nobody in real life has perfect skin. Yeah, that's a really good point. And again, I think this just stems from a place of it's very sad, to be honest, and we're not trying to sit and lecture people and be like, what is wrong with you for choosing this? We get it. You've been sold that you're not you're not beautiful enough. These corporations and influencers are getting to you, but we're just challenging you to maybe look at the bigger picture, realize that you're blessed in probably a lot of ways and to focus on other things because these things can be so harmful to you. So I saw one perspective on Instagram on it that I thought was really interesting from a woman who is in like a super abusive marriage, like physically abusive and had developed forehead lines at like a younger age because of all her stress. She was like, I get Botox because I'm sick of looking at this. And and kind of the consensus was women shouldn't be telling other women what to do. And we just want, you know, if this is your situation, we want you to hear that our hearts behind this is to inform people that it's dangerous. We're not just saying don't do it because of the looks and the 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 atmosphere that comes with that type of a person that would do Botox. It's truly, we do ask those questions like why, what's driving you to do it? But when you do have a valid reason to be doing it, like the women in these situations, that doesn't make it any less physically harmful. So that's the main point of what we're trying to get across. Yeah, totally. I mean, I get it. I mean, we all look in the mirror and we all have imperfections and it's kind of scary when you start to age. I mean, I'm at that age where yeah, like I'm definitely starting to age a little bit and I can I can tell, but you have to just kind of, you just have to embrace it. It's true. So anyway, this could be, we could go on and on, but we are going to jump into our next trend. We think you guys should leave, which you probably won't be surprised to see this if you follow me on Instagram and that is cold plunging. So if you want a more in-depth explanation, I just posted an Instagram post on this. You can look at my Instagram for more information, but To quickly go through it, the biggest issue that both of us have with cold plunging is the fact that it is just being touted as a biohack that everyone should be doing. There's no repercussions. It's risk-free. It's going to cure all of your symptoms, all of that stuff. So no one 
that is broadly recommending cold plunging is talking about the state in which most women are cold plunging. And the state that most women are cold plunging in is metabolically suppressed, stressed, sleep deprived, hormonally dysregulated, struggling with fertility or having menstrual health issues, overburdened, overwhelmed, and just completely exhausted from the rat race of living in today's society. So these experts or health nutritionists, whatever they are, health gurus are recommending this very stressful activity to women who are already extremely stressed. And to just quickly give you guys the science of cold plunging, basically what happens is when you get into a cold plunge, your heart rate, blood pressure, and respirations rapidly increase. And the cold water releases stress hormones, cortisol, and norepinephrine. And you go through what's called cold shock. So you'll gasp at first and then start to shiver, depending how long you stay in the water. And then, of course, your internal temperature drops and shivering can last for 10 to 15 plus minutes or even hours after the cold plunge. But that is a sign, amongst many others, that you should not be doing cold plunging if you can't warm up. So just really be careful and take your metabolic health and resiliency into consideration before doing this. Honestly, the biggest problem is the standard American diet is already putting us into a state of hibernation. We are way over consuming seed oils, polyunsaturated fatty acids, fake foods, fake meats, preservative food dyes, chemicals, synthetic vitamins, fortified foods, the list goes on. And all of these things are lowering our body temperatures and impairing thyroid function, which then lowers our metabolic rate. When we are intentionally lowering our temperatures even more by cold plunging, our body is only focused on sending blood to the areas that have been impacted by the cold instead of sending it to organs that actually need to be healed or organs that need the blood supply the most in order to support a healthy female body, things like the thyroid, liver, reproductive system, and more. So really the bottom line is that cold plunging may feel really good, just like intermittent fasting can feel really good because living on stress hormones can feel great for a time. Getting a burst of stress hormones can feel great at that time. That does not make it good for you. There are a lot of things that can feel good in life, but not actually be good for you. So just like most other health studies too, cold plunging studies are done on men. There have not been very many as well, and they've all just been done recently. So there's no long-term studies either. And of course, that's because they're only done on men because women are too hard to study. We always talk about this. We talked about this in the last episode. Anyway, case in point, bottom line, remember, just like you can't supplement your way out of a poor diet and lifestyle, you cannot cold plunge your way out of a poor diet and lifestyle. Now, not every aspect of cold plunging is bad. I did talk about that a little bit more on my Instagram post, but do you want to share some benefits to a little bit of cold exposure every now and then? Yeah, totally. So that's the difference between women and men. So I actually, I remember, um, do you know who Stacey Sims is? Uh, she wrote that book, Roar. Um, she actually yep. had done some research on cold plunges and women, because of the way that our bodies operate, (laughs) different than men, we shouldn't be getting into an ice bath colder than 55 degrees. Otherwise, it can almost promote like a Renaud's type response in our body, um, which is not good. So basically for me, I have have never done 
like actual cold plunges unless I'm literally just like going into like a glacier lake, right? Like after a hike or something, um, which again, it's, this is middle of the summer. This isn't, you know, in the winter breaking ice and going in or something along those lines. Um, but taking a cold shower at like 60 degrees, like after a sauna, not a cold shower. I'm talking like a burst, just like a minute, right. Of some cold after you've taken a warm shower after a sauna. Yeah. Like that could feel pretty good too. Um, and that could be beneficial. So that's going to be a lot more beneficial for women than doing a full blown, like a full blown cold plunge, um, like in your garage, right. That's not natural. Cold plunging in our garage is not natural guys especially <laughs> in the winter yes like oh whatsoever <laughs> um you could even do like you can even get the same benefits from doing like a face dunk in some ice water totally fine for a woman we're women we are so different than men and this this can be pretty dangerous for some people and i i think that's one of the reasons why we're mentioning it is it's definitely not something i think women should be doing often at all yeah if you want to hear women's testimonies on cold plunging and how it's messed with them, you can go take a look at the comments of my post on cold plunging. There were so many talking about, um, you know, doing it while pregnant and the implications of that. Do not even get us started on that. Yeah. And I mean, you will hear two people um, saying, oh, well, in my country and our other countries, this has always been practiced back in the day. That's what our ancestors always did this and that. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But like their health and stress levels were completely different. I mean, they're not they're not going for a cold plunge in their garage after a full day of being on devices and stressed to the max for work responsibilities with trash thyroids and metabolisms. Like it's a completely, completely different story. Situation. Yes. So our general consensus on cold plunging for women is leave that one. There's nuances, of course, but overall, do not be cold plunging. We don't recommend at least cold plunging like you see on Instagram. Yeah. It's not enjoyable. Why bother? Right? Like it's not like if it's not going to take you closer to your health goals, what are we doing this for? Right? Like just do some of the things I had mentioned um, about the face dunking or going for a swim during the summer or (laughs) a little cold burst after a shower. Yeah. I'm all about staying warm. So Mm -hmm. anyway, um, that kind of actually perfectly leads us into our next trend that we recommend leaving behind. And that is, of course, extreme dieting and fasting. We're not going to spend too much time here because we covered extreme diets probably 10 times in our last episode. (laughs) But just to quickly go through some of the biggest fads, fasting, I am going to do a whole Instagram deep dive on this and I am I know it's going to be brutal because there are Mm -hmm. people so attached to their fasting. Um, But the reason that fasting is touted as so healthy is for autophagy, which is the death of unneeded or unwanted cells, weight loss and focus and clarity, heart health, diabetes, weight loss. So many things. If you look up the benefits of intermittent fasting for women on Google, it will just go on and on and on. But one thing I actually pulled from Google, I think it was Healthline, is it said, while intermittent fasting has been shown to be beneficial for heart health, diabetes, weight loss, there is some evidence that indicates it negatively affects reproduction (laughs) and blood sugar levels in women. Yeah. And that right there is all you need to know. And that is exactly what it will do especially if you're doing it rigorously and doing it over a long period of time. I practice intermittent fasting and keto. I lost my period 
and I ruined my blood sugar for years. It took me so many years to be able to tolerate carbohydrates again after that. I am a living testimony of why I do not recommend intermittent fasting. It causes so much stress to the female body. Yeah. Yeah. And the same goes for low carb. Um, Same thing goes for vegan. So keto, carnivore, paleo, vegan community, the whole like blue zone thing, the plant cautious, like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I I mean, maybe not fasting, but I do feel like the, the big hitters, keto, carnivore, and vegan are all going to go down in history as like the absolute most dangerous and detrimental diets of them all, of everything that we've ever been through over the past however many decades of dieting. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And every time we bring up paleo, people are always like, well, what's wrong with paleo? That's not an extreme diet. It's a whole foods diet. There's so many things wrong with paleo. The biggest one, though, that we focus on is it completely eliminates dairy unless they've changed the rules. I don't follow it whatsoever anymore. Yeah, I don't either. Dairy is a food group we literally believe is necessary for optimal health. That does not mean we recommend eating a pint of ice cream at night before bed. That, that is not it. Or drinking a half gallon of raw milk every day. What that means is that in the right amounts, things like raw milk, cottage cheese, a little bit of ice cream, cheese, all that stuff is so rich in fat-soluble vitamins and so beneficial for you. And we don't think you can have a full and complete well-rounded diet without dairy. And also, you should talk a little bit about how if you eat a ton of meat and not enough dairy, how much that can imbalance your minerals. Oh, yeah. So I think that's something that that's missing here, especially with the paleo community. I highly doubt they, I mean, how can you change a diet if it's an ancestral diet and now we add in dairy? That doesn't make much sense. (laughs) No, I know the reason I said that is because like one time the paleo people, I have no clue who they are. Nuts and seeds, or maybe it was just seeds, like weren't allowed on paleo and then they like changed the rules and allowed them and it became part of the paleo diet. That's why I even thought of that. I know. It's crazy. Whole 30. So they didn't allow dairy for a long time and then they started allowing dairy to come back in um, okay yeah probably due to the fact that they were seeing how detrimental i mean you if you're going to consume so there's a lot of amino acids in muscle meats muscle meats are fantastic they have so many benefits so many nutrients in them but by themselves and isolated without dairy or without um, you know, gelatin and collagen as we used to eat, as our ancestors used to eat, they can actually be inflammatory. They do have some inflammatory amino acids in them. So the dairy actually helps to, um, to combat the, that inflammatory effects of uh, muscle meats. So having a diet that's just all muscle meats without any dairy in it is actually going to backfire. Yeah. And we see that over and over on HTMAs because it also creates a big imbalance in the the calcium to yeah. phosphorus ratio too. Yep. So um, muscle meats are high in phosphorus and obviously dairy is high in bioavailable calcium. So when yeah. you're eating a crap ton yep. <laughs> of muscle meats and no dairy, there's going to be a, a big imbalance in your body. And that's something that's never talked about. 
Yeah. And you had just said um, the calcium phosphorus ratio. And what is the calcium phosphorus ratio on the HTMA? That is what tells us how your metabolism is functioning, how every single process in your body type. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the calcium phosphorus ratio is actually super important. And a lot of people don't talk about it. So yeah, having having the dairy and the muscle meats together is going to be way more beneficial than just eating muscle meats and eliminating dairy. And unfortunately, most of us are in this place where we've demonized dairy so much that we are just consuming muscle meats. Exactly. Yeah. Another one we could talk about, but <laughs> let's let's dive into one of the more juicy ones. I don't even know how to describe this. Infuriating, mind-blowing, <laughs> crazy, drives me absolutely nuts is Ozempic. Yeah. And the reason why we're putting this in here is because we have actually been seeing more holistic type people promoting it. So, um, and plus it's just so hot right now. It's something that we just need to talk about. Um, but I guess what, what is it and what's the idea behind it? A lot of people just don't even know what Ozempic is. So it's GLP-1. It's a diabetes drug that suppresses your appetite. And so they're basically using this as a weight loss drug. It was never intended to be that. Um, In my opinion, it's just basically a starvation drug and it's shutting off your appetite. And that, I guess you could call it like that chatter, you know, like that constant need to eat, which some people do have. I mean, genetically, I I have not talked about my genetics, but with my genetics, um, I do have obesity genes that can create that chatter in my head. But I know better. I'm a nutritionist. I know how to eat. I know how to suppress that just by eating carb, protein, fat at every meal and balancing my blood sugar. Um, But studies are showing that it is impacting the thyroid and can even cause thyroid cancer. Um, You're also going to see too about If you look online, this whole thing about ozempic face and the extreme aging it causes from that drastic weight loss. Um, So yeah, that's just it in the gist. There's there's a little bit more to it, but we're just seeing so many people. They're handing it out like candy right now. That's what they're doing. Everybody, you can order it anywhere. You can get it anywhere. And the other brand name for it is what semi glutide. Mm -hmm. I think is what it is. Something like that. Yeah. And so they're calling it that. So, and you don't even know that it's actually Ozempic. So there is actually um, gynos that are telling women that have PCOS or PCOS like symptoms without even being diagnosed with PCOS at telling them that they should go on Ozempic, it, regardless of how big they are or if they even really need to lose any weight. It's absolutely, it's mind blowing. Just one big experiment. Um, but in my opinion, like just creating a better lifestyle and diet habits are just going to be so much better and long term. And it's actually going to benefit your body um, and longevity as well. And I do think Ozempic in general is going to age you drastically. So <laughs> kind of like the Botox, but imagine just being super skinny, but aging like 20 years in the process. <laughs> and then, oh, look at that. You're going to have to go through a plastic surgery and Botox to fix this aging that the Ozempic caused. And you're going to be on Ozempic forever because you're never going to gain the lifestyle and diet habits that you need to make better decisions. Um but if you decide to come off of it, guess what happens? Yep. Yep. 
you gain you're going to gain all that weight back, back and then some because your metabolism is so damaged. Yeah. And also, if you look up GLP-1, um, it's produced in the intestines. So if we're having issues with GLP-1, like how about we work on gut health um, and consume foods that help you to naturally like produce that, right? So like fiber-rich foods are going to help you to produce GLP-1. Working on your gut health is going to help you to better produce GLP-1. So we're not people aren't looking at the mechanism behind behind this and there's way better solutions than taking something like this. I yes, and I saw an Instagram post I so badly wish I could remember whose it was. I if I if I do I'll link it. Just know that this is not my my post, but um someone had said the mechanism of Ozempic is it suppresses your appetite. Guess what else lowers your appetite? Protein. Mm-hmm. Protein. Yep. If you are eating enough protein, which I can tell you right now, 99.9% of women are not even eating close to enough protein. Yeah. That will automatically improve your hunger signals and hunger hormones and yep. not make you feel like you're constantly starving and need to eat. Yep. I yep. could, I think one of my biggest problems with women's health just in general is how women are just chronically under eating protein. Of course, yeah. no fault of their own. I don't blame. I mean, look at the food pyramid, right? <laughs> like, yeah. of course, we're not eating enough protein. But that is probably one of the biggest issues facing all women. And if women would start eating more protein, mm-hmm. I think so many of our problems would disappear. Truly. Yeah. I think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, like I had mentioned, I have those obesity genes and yeah, I could probably be obese if, you know, I didn't focus on protein. A huge part of my diet is protein because it's very satiating. So I totally agree. Protein, protein is the answer, but you know, rather we would take these, these drugs and just get quick weight loss and never actually make these changes in our, in our diet to be able to support lifelong habits. Yeah. Again, another one that's just very sad. And I I truly feel so bad for people that are being given this drug without true informed consent or education around what it does. So yeah. Yeah. Not to mention like people people literally post online if i've i've gone down the rabbit hole just to see you know like what's going on with the ozempic thing and people talk about how bad the side effects are i'm just like why would I, why would anybody so want to sad. take this drug i'm like you're literally having diarrhea all day every day like awesome you're super skinny but you can't leave your house cuz you have diarrhea all day from taking this medication you know? yeah i mean truly if you look up ozempic face on Google. We were doing that before this episode. Mm. It's crazy. And there's not just like one or two pictures. There's pages of befores and afters of Ozempic face. So yeah. Yeah. Very sad. Very, very sad. Needless to say, leave Ozempic in the dust. Please do not (laughs) consider it. And please have any loved ones that are considering Ozempic listen to this episode and do their research. Yeah. So since we're talking about blood sugar, um, (laughs) we have this whole blood sugar monitor craze. I remember how triggered people were when I posted my post on Instagram about (laughs) this a little while ago. Um, Because the newest thing is that everyone has blood sugar issues. Like that's just it. Everyone has a blood sugar problem, right? Everybody has diabetes. And like, no, actually they don't. 
like the majority of people <laughs> don't. And I've seen thousands of lab tests to like actually determine that. And most people do not have blood sugar problems, especially if you're eating in in like a blood sugar balancing way like we like we teach, right? So my take on tracking your blood sugar every day is it's just going to drive you absolutely crazy because the food is not the problem. <laughs> there are 42 other factors that got your body into a state to not be able to utilize glucose well. So the types of carbs that you're consuming, how you're combining your food, meal timing, the state of your microbiome, what supplements you're taking, birth control can even affect it, um, any type of medications, genetics, exercise or exercise timing even can impact this. So if you're fasting, that's going to impact your blood sugar, uh, probably in a negative way. Uh, sleep, stress, food sensitivities, your sun exposure is going to impact it. The weather changes. Guys, like there are so many different factors to why you might see a spike on a blood sugar monitor that have nothing to do with the food that you just ate. So I don't see a blood sugar monitor helping you get to the root of the problem. It's just going to create eating disorders. It's going to create fear around food. You're just going to be hyper managing everything that you're eating. And also being a woman, like your blood sugar is changing all day, every day due to your cycle and just like the ebb and flow of your hormones. And that needs to be accounted for as well. So uh, blood sugar monitors will just drive you absolutely insane. And this trend, it's like just leave the blood sugar monitors to the people that actually have diabetes. We do not need to be hypermanaging every single thing that we put in our mouth. It will drive you crazy. Plus, your blood sugar should rise a bit after you eat. We shouldn't be aiming for this like super steady uh, blood sugar all day long. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, blood sugar, like the continuous monitors are one of those things that it's like way too much of a good thing because being aware of your blood sugar can be smart. Like I said, I had so many blood sugar issues after keto and restrictive mm -hmm. dieting and intermittent fasting. But if I had just jumped right into a continuous glucose monitor, I would have been the most confused person in the entire world. Because, yeah. But you also like, knew you would know why already. You're like, well, I'm adding carbs back into my diet after not having them. Right. So. But I mean, even like you said, there are so many different factors that yeah. impair uh, impact blood glucose. Yeah. One of the biggest ones we see all the time is um, – Someone will post in the membership and say, oh my gosh, or not in the membership, I, I guess more so Instagram DMs and say, oh my gosh, I just got my, my blood sugar checked. My A1C is 5.8 and I'm pre-diabetic and my doctor's telling me to do blah, 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 blah. Well, there are so many other factors that need to be looked at on a blood lab to determine if that's what's going on because one of the biggest things that can spike A1C is stress. Yeah. yeah. And lack of sleep. Right. So it's like there's so much more to the picture going on here. So if you're just being told these little snippets about like what your blood glucose is right now or what it was at the doctor, there's so much more to it. Also, another thing, too, is the doctors are going to recommend that you eliminate carbs and you do do something like keto or carnivore or whatever it is to balance your blood sugar. You're not actually balancing your blood sugar. In reality, you should be 
adding in carbs paired with protein and fat and having more of like, you know, there, there's so much more to it, like food combining, the amount of how often you're eating, how much you're eating, all of that's going to impact it too. But we shouldn't be eliminating the carbs. We should be keeping in the carbs. Trying, We're trying to get our body to utilize those carbs better. Eliminating them is never going to solve the problem of why your body isn't utilizing them in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things that just a lab marker or a quick reading on a glucometer is not going to tell you the full picture whatsoever. And there's just so much more to it. Jumping to our next trend that we suggest leaving behind, we have all the drinks and supplements and detoxes and juice cleanses that kind of fall into the nutrition slash fitness type of um, influencer and marketing campaigns that we see on social media. So first one is the green drinks and the beautifying drinks. So many things to say about these drinks. Number one problem, they are touted as a cure-all. Just like cold plunging, just like a lot of these things. Drink this drink and you're going to have all of your problems resolved. Weight loss, skin clear, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> with zero, zero attention to the foundations. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many people do fall for that. Um, And understandably, because there's these influencers and companies pushing this messaging that this will solve all of your problems. The biggest issues we see with these things over and over is that they are loaded with synthetic vitamins. Um, AG1 is something I get asked about Mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, constantly, because it's huge right now. Biggest thing, You guys know our stance on multivitamins and prenatals. That is why we wrote Eat Your Prenatal. Look at the back or the ingredient list of a AG1 packet and tell me what is different between that and a multivitamin. (laughs) It's a multivitamin. So it's just like our, our argument in Eat Your Prenatal and what we talk about on our Instagram pages. They're filled with synthetic vitamins or the improper forms or amounts of vitamins that are going to do your body more harm than good. If you want to learn more about this, I highly, highly recommend Eat Your Prenatal. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing is that we just don't, we don't recommend multivitamins and that's all these are. Someone asked me the other day about a zip fizz. You know what those are? Mm -mm, No. Um, It's like a, I think it's, that's what it's called. Zip fizz. Um, same thing. It's just a, yeah, it's a, it's zip fizz. It's just a drink packet filled with synthetic low quality <laughs> vitamins. So I'm like, well, you realize this is just a, a multivitamin, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the marketing makes it seem like it's this thing that's going to change your entire life for a way overpriced but also- supplement. We've been brainwashed into thinking that we need greens to be healthy. So like somebody will be like, well, these are great if you don't get in all your greens during the day. Oh my gosh. Yes. You don't need greens to be healthy. (laughs) And if you do, then maybe we need to evaluate your diet and you could fit those in if you feel like you need to have those greens in your diet. But I'll tell you right now, this supplement isn't going to supplement the greens you would get from a diet regardless, but you don't need greens in your diet to be healthy or to get all the nutrients that you need. You absolutely do not. <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, this is where it's just like, they, this is very purposeful. Every, every line of the marketing is designed 
just to sell you on thinking that you need something. Yeah. If you look at AG1, it is I I guess it's like a little bit of green. So obviously something makes it green, but the rest yeah. of the label, which is the part <laughs> that I focused on, is truly just a multivitamin prenatal yeah. type of yeah. situation. So. But people even chime in. I just did a post on, on this, this exact thing, like the things to take or leave on Instagram. And, you know, like, well, my kids don't get enough greens. And it's like, your kids might not need greens. <laughs> like, and so they think they need to supplement, like have their kids take greens. And I'm like, no, like they're probably okay, depending on what their diet is, right? Are they getting fruits? Are they getting some good like animal uh, proteins? Are they getting dairy like if they're getting all of those really good things like it's okay if they don't want to eat their broccoli right like there's probably intuitive to them to not want to eat that broccoli <laughs> exactly yeah I just pulled up the ingredients and it's like the greens part is organic spirulina uh apple inulin so they're putting prebiotics Ooh. in there which yeah. we know what that can do to the gut yeah uh wheatgrass alfalfa chlorella barley which is mm. interesting mm. um acerola fruit so pi- uh, papaya pineapple some of this stuff okay how do you fit all that that's into- what i want to know <laughs> a pa- like really let's honestly consider this right now like how do you fit that into a serving a one packet they're small packets according to my to my knowledge so guys like let's like literally like just do a little bit of thinking on that well I think the biggest thing is that these truly the same exact issue we have for prenatals are touted as something that you can take to mask your bad diet yeah well, yep. I didn't get my greens in today. I went to McDonald's instead, but it's all good because I got my AG1. Yep. Yep. That's that's exactly, exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. So yep. we have major issues with all of those things, mostly because they're going to just cost you so much money. Yeah. And you're going to just have really expensive pee. Yeah. <laughs> you would actually probably get more nutrients if you just ate greens once or twice a week than took this this supplement once a day. <laughs> it would be way cheaper. A well-balanced, well-rounded diet with animal products yeah. and mm-hmm. dairy products. And I mean, we laid this out at Eat Your Prenatal, right? Seven yeah. days of meal plans that tell you exactly what to eat to yep. get all yep. of what you would get in a label of AG1, but the forms are actually usable and bioavailable to the body. So yeah. Also, those um, ingredients that you were just reading off to me, some of those can actually induce like a detox response if in like the correct dosing. So that's kind of telling me that if like everyone in your mother is promoting this supplement, like literally I see like van lifers promoting this supplement. <laughs> they have oh, no, no idea about nutrition uh, and they're not having like any type of like detox reactions at all. And we already know their diet isn't wonderful. Like mm, there's probably not much to this and you're really just wasting your money. Exactly. That's, I think, one of the biggest issues is it just these things will get so expensive so fast. Heavy metals, too, in these green supplements. Woof. Like, yikes. (laughs) Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah. So then kind of just to go off of that, we have um, a very popular MLM with colostrum these days. We love colostrum. It's awesome. But marketing is everything. And 
so many random people have now hopped on this bandwagon with this particular supplement and company. Um, and they're making huge claims about it, like about it curing something or you age 10 years backwards, blah, blah, blah. Again, one thing is not going to do that for you. Like, I mean, truly, if you're eating garbage, you're not eating well, you're not taking care of yourself, but you introduce raw milk, it's not good. It's going to be the same thing. Like, sure, the raw milk is beneficial, but it's not going to change your life and completely undo a horrible diet and lifestyle as great as raw milk is. So yeah. these questionable like <laughs> MLM type supplements or something to really, truly evaluate before jumping into. And then just to jump off of that too, the whole entire workout uh, body building type mm. lifestyle and industry promotes these products that are trash. Just- trash truly trash. some of the worst things go into a gnc store <laughs> oh, yeah it's not food you guys it's no. it is not food these protein powders and pre-workouts and recovery drinks and protein bars and i'm not kidding i wouldn't touch a single thing in there unless they've recently stocked Equip bars and i don't know about that <laughs> um my ex used to be a huge gnc person and i would go in there and be like this is this feels like an auto parts store. Like, how is this a a store that is selling things that you put into your auto body? parts? You just said that. That is like literally exactly what it feels. Isn't like. that the vibe in there? It is a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I like, yeah. You're trying to get in extra protein, but there are way better ways to get that in. And I just see a lot of you'll see a lot of really famous bodybuilders, um, women, men that have their own supplement lines. And if you ever look at the ingredients on those, I'm just like, whoa, like there is definitely a difference between a fitness person and somebody that knows nutrition, because if this person knew about nutrition, these ingredients would not be in these (laughs) in these supplements. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, usually there will be like a whey or a soy based protein. First of all, we have no idea the quality of the whey, except that it's probably the lowest possible quality you could get of dairy. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of them are soy protein based. You guys know how we feel about soy. Yeah. And then from there, the ingredient list has 50 things on it that you have no idea what they are. Mm -hmm. A lot of times there's colorings and dyes and preservatives and thickeners and stabilizers and and um, flavor enhancers and like energy like a lot of stuff that like promotes energy or like energy drinks and I'm like woof like people are just having like major anxiety taking all of these they're not like associating it with all of these workout supplements that they're taking because they only see one thing they're like this person has this body I'm gonna take their supplements and hope that I somehow can get this body by taking these supplements not taking into consideration what those supplements are actually doing to their body. Exactly. And just to kind of piggyback off of some of the stuff we talked about last week is there are people that can get nutrition certifications in things like bodybuilding type of dieting. So their profile will say nutritionist and they're recommending these powders and bars and snack type things and smoothies and all of this and they have actually no understanding of the nutrition, but they're very focused on the macros. So they might be mm-hmm. able to change the physique of your body or their body, but 
at what cost with all of these powders and crazy supplements. So again, that is not an attack on these people. They believe that they got really solid education. Mm -hmm. However, this is why you just need to be really careful about who you're following and what, um, what kind of stuff that they're teaching. Yeah. And also just remember if everyone and your, and their mother is promoting something (laughs) that have, you know, have no idea about nutrition, whether it be detoxes, green juices, supplements, whatever it is, it's probably not a good thing. That's what we really need to realize that for sure. And also the way that it's marketed is, it should impact how you feel about the product as well. But, um, so yeah, let's dive into parasite cleanses. This is a hot topic. Um, I do feel like this has just become super popular in like vegan communities. It's always about like getting in that parasite cleanse every month or every few months. Um, and I get it, right? I mean, your stomach acid is low if you're a vegan <laughs> because <laughs> you're not consuming meat. So if you don't use that stomach acid, you lose that stomach acid. Uh, and you're also just eating all of these vegetables and fruits that have parasites. A lot of people think parasites come from meat and fish mostly, but actually that green lettuce you're eating probably has more parasites than that piece of pork that you're eating. Um, so anyways, for the parasites, I have a very strong stance on this is just because of what I've seen in my practice. And I see that women that have been on parasite cleanses that were not ready end up in such a worse place. So we really need to make sure that we always focus on the foundations first and like how you got that parasite in the first place. So first line of defense, stomach acid, if that's an issue. And then, you know, re-evaluating the the entire digestive system north to south. I also think a big thing too, if your body is already stressed or you're dealing with nervous system dysregulation, you need to take a gentle approach to to something like a parasite cleanse or literally avoid it altogether. Um, A lot of people are going on these like insanely aggressive parasite cleanses with tons of supplements and their bodies are just not ready. But then they're told by people like, oh, it's just, you know, you're having all these symptoms because yeah, your body's just having a reaction and you're detoxing. It's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I don't think your body is ready for this because nobody's evaluating them to know. Um, But yeah, you need to open up detox pathways is absolutely critical. You need your drainage pathways to be opened. Um, Otherwise, you're going to feel awful. And most people are not in a state to be able to do an aggressive parasite protocol. So yeah, I, I think, you know, working with a practitioner is going to be your best bet for something like a parasite. Um, it's not something that should be taken so lightly. I think that's my problem. Like the fact that it's just touted as like everybody just needs to be doing parasite cleanses. Like if you actually have a parasite, like that's serious and people are doing it without actually having a parasite. Like this this is not something to like take lightly and just like do some type of like supplement 10 step supplement protocol to get rid of a parasite by yourself. Like work with somebody on that. Um also your body is really intelligent and it can take care of these things with your diet. So having things like garlic and coconut oil, um, herbal teas, the raw carrot salad, stuff like that can be really helpful ways um, to help get rid of parasites just naturally. So I do personally think, and just because of what I've seen in my practice, parasite cleansing can be very detrimental to people if their bodies are not ready. So have I put people on parasite cleanses? Well, not cleanses, but more so a protocol. Absolutely. If I if I feel the need, if I see on their labs that yes, you you should definitely, you know, do a parasite protocol, then we do do that. But we have so much foundational stuff that goes into place before ever doing a parasite protocol. 
Yeah, I truly think one of the scariest things on the internet is people promoting parasite protocols and just thinking about some of the people that are going through them with no foundational support. Mm -hmm. It's so, so sad and so scary. So yeah. And the foundations are what's going to help. So like, Mm -hmm. a lot of us are blaming this parasite, but honestly, just getting those foundation steps in place is, is going to be the most helpful as opposed to doing something really, really aggressive. Um, because yeah, not everybody needs a parasite protocol. And that's what's really, really, really scary about the information we're seeing online. And then you're told that. So then you go Google it and you're like, yep, I have all these symptoms, got to have a parasite. And it's like, eh, that's probably, no. I mean, every symptom under the sun is related to a parasite accordingly, <laughs> to according to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just be be really careful. Again, we would categorize this as an extreme and you guys know how we feel about those. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all all the talk about parasite cleanses and vegan diets actually reminded me of celery juice. Do you, do you remember mm-hmm. when that was all the rage with the medical medium guy who was telling everyone to drink it? Yeah, it still is. That's still it's yeah, still it's, a big thing. It still yeah. is, but it was like massive for a yeah. while. And I remember it got popular when I was at my lowest point. And mm. I would go to Whole Foods and they started selling it and I would get it. And I had no idea why I was getting it. Yeah. Like if someone stopped me on the street and said, Is that celery juice? Why are you drinking that? I truly would not have been able to tell them. (laughs) Truly, I could not have been like, oh, this is why I'm drinking it. I would have just been like, oh, this influencer I really like is drinking it. So yeah, I went through an entire like three month period where I would go to Trader Joe's and stock up on like 30 bags of celery. And I did. I juiced it every single morning for like three months. Did I notice a thing? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, oh, it can't hurt. You know, like I noticed nothing at the time. But obviously this was like five years. This was a long time ago. So so I wasn't like super into like nutrition and stuff. But again, this just goes to show like how – influenced we can all be like why was I even doing it I don't know I don't know it was just yeah you could not have possibly told someone (laughs) the the reasoning the vitamins the minerals behind (laughs) I know I know so yeah celery juice um basically the reason why people do it and some people see a difference um, and there's just like all these like testimonies of seeing a difference is because of mineral content. It's just loaded with potassium, vitamin A and vitamin K. So a lot of people just notice a change in their, in their bodies because of minerals. What do you think that we, what do we teach? We teach all about minerals, (laughs) but we can do that without celery juice. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, vitamin A, that's a big one. That's It's actually huge in celery juice, but we always have to remember that from plant sources, it needs to be converted into retinol um, to be used by the body. And up to 45% of the population can't actually even convert that well. Um, so some other reasons, not just the nutrients, but also it has phytonutrients in it, which help with oxidative stress and inflammation. But you can get phytonutrients from so many other foods, like just colorful vegetables of all sorts and fruits um like a mineral broth like the mineral broth that we make with the dark leafy greens and you just boil them up and get the minerals from those um garlic 
onion, chives, leeks, all of these foods contain phytonutrients. So um, the celery juice really isn't like this unicorn, like fantastic <laughs> vegetable. You can really get this stuff from, from other sources. Um, the dark side of celery juice is that it does suck up heavy metals, in particular lead and cadmium. So you are drinking celery juice, most likely that has pretty hefty dose of heavy metals in it. Um, and I also want to put out there too, that as many good testimonials as there are out there, there's also a ton of awful ones too. So you can't disregard that. Um, I actually think this guy, the guy that the medical medium guy is like on trial or something for for this um oh, no yeah That's like i i actually think there's there's something bigger going on i don't know what it is um but yeah i also think when people associate the celery juice with changing something for them or you know feeling better i think when you're juicing celery in the morning it might just spark something in your head to just make better positive changes in your diet and lifestyle overall. So you might be associating the celery juice with healing, but it probably was just the change, the positive changes in your diet and your lifestyle that came along with the celery juice. Well, yeah. And I mean, this is a huge argument for veganism too, right? So many people switch to veganism and the first few months they're like, I feel amazing. <laughs> well, they might've be switching from a standard American diet and yeah. lifestyle that includes a lot of fast food. Exactly. So if you switch from a, you know, a Big Mac for dinner to some sort of like a <laughs> sweet potato rice bowl, you're probably going to feel better. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. give it time and mm -hmm. usually you are not going to feel so good after a while. <laughs> so I think another thing that's huge about celery juice, and this applies to any type of juicing or anything, if it is not organic, you are mm. just pounding yeah. the pesticides. So the stuff I was getting at Whole Foods was not organic at all. Unless you were getting organic and juicing it yourself or you were buying an organic celery juice, you're pounding the, the uh, pesticides. <laughs> so, yeah. so we've got pesticides and heavy metals. Yeah. Eh, I don't see a point in having this celery juice. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, like you even said, it's a, it's a rich source of vitamin A, but even mm -hmm. in the population that can't convert the beta carotene to vitamin A, you still are going to have a lot of, your body still has to convert that in general. So if you just eat an uh, animal rich diet, if you have some liver, some raw milk, things like that that have vitamin A in it already, that's exactly in the form that your body needs. It's the beta carotene that is not in the form that your body needs. And it, no matter what, it's still going to try to convert. It's, it's going to convert that. So it's just yeah. adding an extra step that's not necessary. All right. So the last one we're going to cover today, kind of switching topics, but we think this one is important, is in terms of trends to leave, the body positivity movement is largely one that we recommend leaving or at least approaching this with a lot of caution. So there is some good to the body positivity movement. I mean, let's be honest, when we were growing up in high school and college, things we've talked about on this podcast, being skinny was the only option, right? <laughs> that was like the only form of health. Mm -hmm. And this movement, I guess you could say, has brought awareness to the fact that 
you being stick thin is not possible for most people is usually not healthy and is not realistic. That's just not how most women look. Um, But we also think this movement has gone way too far and is actually really detrimental because it's making people just accept being overweight and even obesity. I mean, morbid obesity, uh, regardless of, you know, how their body feels and, and how their health is doing, just overall acceptance and promotion of very unhealthy lifestyles. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do like the idea behind it because, yes, we have to recognize that health and size are two very, very different things for sure. Um, But we also have to recognize, you know, being 100 pounds overweight is not healthy either. Um, And you're probably not feeling too great either. (laughs) So uh, we don't see that side of things. And the body positivity movement has kind of um, glorified being very overweight as opposed to um, what I think its intention was to begin with. So, um, so yeah, the body positivity movement, we're saying, you know, that's not something we're saying to leave that behind um, because I do think it can promote some bad habits and lifestyles in people um, and makes people feel like they don't have control over their body and that it's okay to be unhealthy and to be a hundred pounds overweight. Yeah. I think something important to take away from it is that being very, very underweight is just as unhealthy as being very overweight. And we've always just associated being super skinny with being super healthy. And we know that that's not the case whatsoever. So you can be just as unhealthy, overweight as you can underweight. And the whole entire idea of what we teach and preach is to just being focused on bringing your body into balance, homeostasis, safety. And the truth is, is that's just going to look different because all of our genes are so different. We are different heights, we're different shapes, we're different sizes, and um, we're never going to all have the same body type. And being healthy as a woman means that we are naturally going to have different body types. So before we wrap up this episode, we know it went a little bit long. There was just so much to talk about when it comes to trends that we recommend leaving. But the bottom line with these wellness trends on social media kind of goes back to what I was saying with the celery juice is ask yourself, if you can't explain why you're going to try something, what the benefits are of doing that thing and why you're doing it, maybe reconsider doing it. And if you've tried it and you don't enjoy it and you're not feeling benefits from it, why continue? So like I said, I couldn't have told you if my life depended on it why I was drinking celery juice. Make sure if you're going to do Ozempic, Botox, um, celery juicing, any of the things we talked about in this podcast, cold plunging, that you can really, really explain why you're doing that. And if it doesn't work for you, being really open-minded to stop doing it instead of just pushing through it because it's trendy or because the research says to do it. Yes. And that goes with with nutrition too. You know, if something's not working for you nutritionally, don't just push through it because you think you should be doing that because some influencer told you to or whoever told you to. If it's not working for you, it's not working for you. Right. And We do want to point out that there's a difference between something like working out, which can be hard, right? And not always enjoyable in the moment when you're two minutes into a plank and you feel like you're dying. 
but actually has massive benefits for you and for your body versus something like cold plunging, which could actually be destroying your health and making you not feel well, but you're just continuing to do it because you're hearing it's good for you. So just make sure you're deciphering between those different types of hard. Yes. All right. So let's end this episode here. And then in the next episode, we're going to go over the things that we think that you should take from social media and that we think are worth the hype and uh, beneficial. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Wild and Well-Fed podcast. On the last episode of each season, we'll answer listener questions. If you have a question for us, please email it to us at wildwellfed at gmail.com for a chance to have your questions answered. If you like this episode, please don't forget to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you again next time.